This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, partner, let's saddle up and ride into the old west with another adventure with James Stewart as he draws his way through another finely written script on the series, The Sick Shooter. And, you know, I just love the way Stewart inhabits the character of Brett Ponsett with honesty and a very humane, caring way. We all know that Jimmy Stewart was a fine actor in the movies, but... Creating a radio character that is so believable, well, that's something else. Tonight, we hear the story of Sheriff Billy. In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the Six Shooter, just one of the many fine programs brought to you Sundays on NBC. Listen to the NBC Star Playhouse with Frederick March and Florence Eldridge. Hear Stroke of Fate and what might have happened if fate had reversed historical facts. And keep tuned for the dramatic story of Last Man Out. It's a lineup of great programs, all of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the Six Shooter. The man in the saddle is angular and long-legged. His skin is sun-dyed brown. The gun in his holster is gray steel and rainbow mother of pearl, its handle unmarked. People call them both the six-shooter. The NBC radio network presents James Stewart as the six-shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western Territories leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. The snow was beginning to melt by the time I reached Dawson. You could hear it dripping from the eaves, hitting the boardwalk along the main street. I'd figured on being in town a couple of days earlier, but that storm sort of threw me off schedule. Not that I had to be there any particular day, but my winter job at Dave Engelman's ranch would be waiting for me whenever I showed up. But the sooner I got to Dave's, the sooner we could start moving his herd down to lower ground. Oh, Scott. Oh, oh boy. Well, I... Almost noon, so I tied Scar to the hitching rail in front of Brick Vining's gambling hall and went hunting a place to eat. The town was sort of showing a little wear and tear. Of course, Dawson never had been a rich place, and I guess the drought last summer hadn't helped much. 
Folks just didn't have the money for improving the real estate, that's all. Except the jail. Huh. Gee, for, for a minute I couldn't believe my eyes. Well, it was all fixed up. Fresh green paint on the outside, new wooden steps leading up to the front door. Real honest-to-goodness barge in the cell windows. Well, it sure was a different jail, all right. But the face grinning out at me from behind those cast-iron bars, well, <laughs> that face hadn't changed a bit since the last time I was in Dawson. <laughs> Howdy, Brett. Hello, Mel. <laughs> I heard you was coming to town. Dave Engelman said you signed up with him. Yeah, that's right. You, uh, you in for something, Mel? You... <laughs> oh, there's a little ruckus over at Brick Brining's place last night. Some folks said I started it. Uh-huh. Mm. Reckon they're right. You do. Uh, mm. uh, uh, seems to me like you were in jail when I left Dawson a couple years back, isn't oh, it? Uh, was it uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning? Uh, could have been. Could have been. I don't remember exactly. Well, if it was a Saturday night or Sunday morning, like as not, I was here. I ain't missed being thrown in more than two Saturday nights since they first built the place. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you're living in style. I, George, this jail looks a lot fancier than it used to be. Yes, yeah. New sheriff fixed it all up. New sheriff, huh? Sure. Oh, you heard about Saul Gordon being killed, didn't you? No. No, well, what happened? Oh, well, it happened, oh, maybe a couple of months ago. And, well, come on inside and have a look around while I tell you about it. Well, I don't know about that, Mel. Maybe the new sheriff wouldn't oh, care about it. Oh, Sheriff Billy wouldn't mind. He'd like you to pay his visit. Now, come on, come on, Brett. The front door is unlocked. Well, all right, all right. <laughs> That's some desk, ain't it? Solid mahogany. He had it shipped here all the way from Frisco. Is that so? Mm-hmm. He paid for it out of his own pocket, too, Billy did. Town couldn't afford a desk like that. Oh, no, no. No, suppose it could. Well, what about Saul? What, what what happened to him? Well, like I said, it was around two months ago. The Baxter brothers had been seen heading this way from White Eagle. When Sheriff Gordon heard about it, he, well, he got some men together and started looking for them. Mm-hmm. Young Billy hadn't been in town very long. He wasn't obliged to join the posse, but he went anyway. Billy Riddle. Oh, uh, that's his name, Britt. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a very big posse, and when one of them Baxter shot the sheriff, well, that'd have been the end of it. If Billy hadn't have took charge. Why, he managed to get off a couple of shots, and the next thing you know, both of them Baxter boys surrendered. <laughs> so when Billy came back to town, well, nobody else was very anxious for the job of sheriff, so he seemed to be the logical man for it. You know, the way he handled the posse and all. Sure, Of course, sure. some of the folks thought he was a little young for the job. Can't be more than 22 or 23, but he's got a good, firm grip on himself. He does. Uh, oh, he ought to be showing up about now. He always turns me loose in time from a Sunday dinner. Real nice young fella. you like him. Mm, a southern boy. Oh? Yeah, I don't know why he came out west exactly. Good thing for the town he did, though. Oh, howdy, Sheriff, howdy. Oh, we're just talking about you. This here is Britt, uh, Britt Ponsett. Ponsett? Oh, that's right. You've heard of him, ain't you? He's six-shooter. Oh, sure. Sure. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Ponson. Howdy, Sheriff. I, uh, just strolling by and Milt asked me to come inside. Oh, glad uh, you did. Well, Milt, I reckon you'd like to be on your way. Oh, I don't know, Sheriff. This jail's getting to be a darn sight more comfortable than my cabin. 
What with all your improvement? Well, if you want to stay... Oh, why... one second thought. I, I'd better be getting home now. Thanks, thanks for the hospitality anyway. <laughs> don't mention it. Uh, uh, you heading my direction, Brad? Uh, well, I'd... If... I've, uh... You don't mind, Mr. Possett. I'd like to talk to you. Just for a couple of minutes. Sure, sure. Well, so long, then. See you next Saturday, sure. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Goodbye, Mel. <laughs> uh, I trust I'm not keeping you from anything, sir. No, no. No, I was just thinking about eating a little dinner, maybe. If there's a cafe open. Old Cotton served a pretty good meal on Sunday. That's Cotton all? White, yeah. Place is right around the corner. Fine, fine. Well, I'll give that a try. You, you wouldn't care to join me, would you? We could talk while we're eating. That is, if you don't have any other plans. Oh, thanks, Mr. Ponsett. I'd like to join you. You see, I'd been hoping you'd turn up in Dawson. Hmm. Oh, George, I'm... I'm sure what a nice, tender pot roast, wasn't it? Oh, boy, oh, I ate too much. Oh, huh? I, I, my belt's cutting into me like a cinch here. Wait a minute. What was it you had in your mind, Billy? My name's Riddle, Mr. Parson. Bill Riddle. Uh-huh, yeah, Bill told me. Uh, the name doesn't mean anything to you? No, no, not offhand. I heard a lot about you, Mr. Parson, since I came to Dawson. Folks say you've traveled a lot around this part of the country. Covered it all from one end to the other. Boy, I've done my share of moving about. Uh, what I wanted to know was if you ever ran into anybody else with the same last name as me. Riddle? Blake Riddle. That's the full name. Uh, relative? My father. Oh, oh. It's not a very common name. If you heard it, you'd be likely to remember it. Yes, yes. Here's your pie, Jeff. But what's that plate, though? It's hot. Thanks, God. No, no, I don't think I ever heard that name before. Well, I, I wanted to be sure. Was your your father in these parts? Uh, I don't know. I know he was once. Uh, not here in Dawson, but somewhere in this territory. Mm-hmm. You haven't heard from him lately? No. No, I've never heard from him. Oh? The fact of the matter is, I, I've never even seen him. You see, he brought my mother out west here before I was born wasn't the kind of life she'd been used to. She was born and raised in the South. Family had a plantation. I see. Those days, the frontier must have been pretty wild. Anyway, when it came time for me to be born, she went back home. And your father didn't go with her? No. Uh -huh. Maybe they had a quarrel. Maybe he didn't like her leaving him. I, I don't know. Uh -huh. Later on, she, she told me he was dead. But I found out that wasn't true. At least it wasn't true when she told me. Oh, uh -huh. Anyhow, Mother died last year. In her things was a letter from Dad. It had been mailed from Denver about 15 years ago. Said he was going to buy a ranch somewhere around Phoenix. He asked Mother to bring me along and meet him. From the way it was written, you could kind of tell he didn't expect her to come. Yeah, yeah. Well, some folks don't bear up very well when they're transplanted, you know. They take root in one place, and there's no point in trying to move. Yeah, I reckon they just weren't suited. But now, well, I, I thought maybe if Dad was still alive, I, I thought maybe he and I... Tell you the truth, Mr. Ponson, I guess I'm his son even though I never saw him. More his than mother's. I see. And 
Ever since I can remember, I've wanted to come west. Even before I knew about him. And I've been happy out here, too. Happier than I've ever been in my life. Of course, I didn't figure on being sheriff. That was uh, just an accident. Well, be that as it may, you're the sheriff, and Milt says you're a darn good one, so you at least got one satisfied customer. <laughs> I'm going to try, Mr. Ponson. I'm going to try hard. I just wish that Dad... Well, if you should ever run into him, why... Sure, sure. What... What the Sam Hill done? Sounds like somebody's getting frisky. There he goes, Sheriff. Over by the mercantile. Yeah. Oh, he ain't doing no harm. He's just shooting up in the air that way. He ain't doing no good either. Looks like he's running out of lead. Yes, yes. There he goes. Into Brick Binding's place. Put the dinners on my bill, Cotton. I'll pay you for them later. Sure, Sheriff. Hold up a minute, Billy. Yeah? Hey, uh, didn't you recognize that fellow, the one who's doing the shooting? What? No. Why should I? Well, his name is Ben Reed. Reed? You sure, Mr. Ponsett? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I I thought he was in jail over at Fort Lyon. I thought the marshal arrested him last month. Well, Ben Reed's been in a lot of jails, but he always sort of manages to break out somehow, you know. He won't break out of mine. You gonna arrest him, Sheriff? He's an outlaw, ain't he? Why, sure, sure, but he's mighty fast with a gun. At least so I hear Ain't that right, Mr. Ponsett? Yeah, yeah, that's what folks say. Well, I guess there's only one way to find out. Sheriff Billy was young, all right, but he didn't walk young, and he didn't swagger. He just moved ahead like a man who knew where he was going. Of course, Ben, a few years older, wouldn't have done him any harm, especially if he was going to tangle with Ben Reed. And Well, well, there, there didn't seem to be any reason for me to miss all the excitement, so I started off in the direction of the gambling hall. If young Bill didn't know what he was doing, well, he'd soon find out. Ben Reed was sitting at a poker table, dealing the cards. He didn't even look up when Bill came over and stood beside him. But Ben knew somebody was there, and he knew whoever it was was wearing a star. He laid the deck of cards on the table, and he rested his left hand on his knee. Gee whiz, I sure hope Billy knew that Ben was left-handed. Your name's Reed? Ben Reed? talking to me? I asked if you're Ben Reed. Yeah, I'm Reed. You broke out of jail over at Fort Lyon. Don't look like I'm still there, does it, Sonny? And you're going back. Oh. You're under arrest. I heard this town got themselves a new sheriff. Some youngster wasn't even dry behind the ears. Get on your feet. Sure. You know, most fellas your age never have a lot to live for They'd be sort of careful who they started ordering around, but uh, maybe you're different. Maybe I am. What's your name, kid? Just for the record, I always like to know a man's name before I... Before there's any trouble. Bill Riddle. Sheriff Bill Riddle. Give me a gun, Reed. I said, give me a gun. For a couple of minutes, they stood there. 
stopped moving, staring at each other. And Ben Reed's left hand slid down his hip a couple inches. And in spite of myself, I found my own hand going for my holster. And then Ben's fingers stopped. And I, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. He unbuckled his gun belt and let it drop on the floor. Well, I guess the only person in that room who wasn't surprised was Billy. He just picked up those guns. He nodded to the door. Ben didn't even look back. He marched right out into the street and Billy behind him. Uh, it was a minute or so before it sank in. Just what had happened. Sheriff Billy Riddle had arrested Ben Reed without even drawing a gun. We'll return to James Stewart as the six-shooter in just a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. I've got $100, 100 genuine United States dollars, and they're yours for a mere 75. Well, friends, suppose you heard an offer like that. You'd jump at it fast, wouldn't you? Well, that's the very offer I'm making you today. I'm promising a guaranteed return of $4 for every $3 you invest. And all you do is buy United States savings bonds. So sign up today for the payroll savings plan where you work or the bond a month plan where you bank. You'll feel more secure tomorrow if you buy United States savings bonds today. Of the Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett. About two o'clock that Sunday afternoon, the snow started coming down again. Big, real big, heavy snow. So I left Scar at the livery stable and got myself a room at Mrs. Kramer's boarding house. Yeah, I sure didn't like the idea of going out for supper, but Mrs. Kramer said that she didn't fix food on Sunday night. She she was lead soprano in the church choir, and rain or snow, she had to be there for the evening service. There wasn't anybody else who could carry the melody. So I put on just about all the clothes I had with me and headed for Cotton White's Cafe. Fort Lyon? That's where he says he's going. Well, what for? Wants to turn Ben Reed over to the marshal there. The shoes in a big hurry to get rid of him for some reason. This don't make sense. Hmm. Like as not, they'll never make it to Lyon, any one of them. But Billy says they're starting tonight, so... Ah, well, no, that doesn't... 
Well, I'll just run these over to jail. You can pour yourself a cup of coffee, Mr. Parson. I'll be right back. Well, why not let me take them over for you, Carter? See, I'm, I'm all bundled up and everything. Oh, of course not, Mr. Parson. No trouble, no trouble. Besides, I'd kind of like to have a talk with Bill before he leaves town. Well, if you're sure. And, and don't stay open for me. I'll just get a cup of coffee from Mrs. Crane. That, 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 that's all I wanted anyway. Good night. Good Thanks for bringing them over, Mr. Parson. Good night. Hey, Billy, you, uh, you serious about striking out for Fort Lyon tonight? Yeah. Well, it looks to me like he's as safe here as he would be anywhere else. Guess he don't appreciate my company. That's right. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the sheriff. Yeah. Now, Fort Lyon's a two-day ride in good weather. You know, no telling how long it'll take you to get in a storm like this. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Well, has something happened, Billy? I don't know what you mean. Well, I guess it's none of my business, whatever it is. No, it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, Mr. Answer that. Oh, what's the use? Somebody will find out sooner or later. I'm not taking him to Fort Lyon. As soon as we get out of town, I'm going to turn him loose. What? And I'm not coming back to Dawson. I'm going home to Georgia, where I belong. Well, I suppose you've got your reasons. I told you. I only came out here to find my father. And I told you this was my lucky day. I found him. Of course, he wasn't quite what I expected. He's a thief, an outlaw, and a killer. You mean Reed? You knew it too, didn't you? No. No, I didn't know anything of the kind. Well, you must have guessed it then. When he let me take him without lifting a finger to stop me, you said yourself he was fast with a gun. Well, that's, I said that's what I heard. But the fact a man lets another man arrest him, well, that doesn't necessarily prove kinship. I, I got the proof right here. What? It's a mighty pretty locket. Open it up. Huh? Ron, open it. That's my mother's picture when she was a girl. It's copied from a picture that hangs in our parlor back home. And he was carrying it fastened to his gun belt. That's so, Reed? His name isn't Reed. It's Blake Riddle. He's loco, Ponson. Ask anybody. I've been Reed. I always have been. You're a fool to lie about it. If you weren't Blake Riddle, you'd be going to prison. I've been in prison before. And because you think he's your father, you're going to turn him loose. Is that it, Billy? I don't care about him or anything that happens to him. But she loved him once. At least she must have thought she did. And afterwards, you're getting out of town, huh? I don't reckon Dawson would have much use for a sheriff who was Ben Reed's kid. Well, they wouldn't have to know. I'd know it. I'd always know it. Even if they didn't. Well, the town was mighty proud of you, Billy. Well, at least I won't be the first lawman who couldn't hang on to Ben Reed. No. No, no, that's true enough. It just seems to me you're acting on mighty flimsy evidence. It seems to me there's a lot of ways a man could get a hold of a locket like this one. 
would necessarily follow that he really belongs to him. Of course, if Reed says it's his... I ain't it's... said that. You never asked me. I didn't have to ask. Well, what about it, Reed? Where'd you get it? I had it so long, I almost forgot. Yeah. But it all come back to me when you was making such a fuss. <laughs> never thought a piece of junk like that had caused so much stir. Go on. I, I, I found it. It must be about 15 years ago now, maybe more. I was down around Phoenix, a little town named uh, Court City. There were some other boys with me, and folks sort of got the idea we'd held up the bank, come looking for us with a posse. Well, there was a couple hours of shooting, and afterwards the posse went back without us. Those that were still alive, that is. What's all this got to do with Well, I'll finish, Bill. Well, we, we uh, went out to look at the bodies, you know, just to make sure the fellows were dead. One of them was... Carrying that locket, so I... Uh... Are you trying to say you killed my father? I don't know who killed him, not for certain. We was all shooting. Uh, I suppose it could have been me. You're lying, you're lying. Well, why should he lie? If it's the truth, why did he keep that locket? Wasn't worth anything. Didn't have any value. Well... Why'd he keep it? I, I'll tell you, kid. When when I opened it up and looked at it, I, I said to myself, now, she's pretty nice looking. So I thought seeing as how the fellow who was carrying the locket was sort of out of action and maybe someday I might run into the woman in person having her picture, it sort of uh, give me an excuse. You to... filthy rotten, I'd kill you, I'd kill you with my bare hands. Tell her, tell her, get hold of yourself. How could I ever have thought that a dirty rotten killer would be my own? I must have been crazy, plumb crazy. You sure were. <laughs> the idea of a kid of mine turned out to be a sheriff. <laughs> Took Billy Riddle a little while to simmer down. When he finally did, he changed his mind about going to Fort Lyon. He decided to wait until the storm had died down, until he was sure of delivering the prisoner. Reed didn't say anything, not another word. Not until Bill went out back to get some wood for the pot bellied stove. Why are you looking at me like that, Ponson? Not entirely, Reed. No, not entirely. Why not? Well, for one thing, I... I was in Cork City when you robbed that bank, and it wasn't 15 years ago. It was about four years ago. And the posse that went out after you, well, they didn't even get close to you. They came back, and all of them hadn't fired a shot. Well... And there was another, uh, I think you'd call it discrepancy. What's that? I knew all those boys in that posse, and none of them was named Riddle. Well, one thing was true enough. The important thing. Oh? Uh-huh. His father is dead. And I killed him. Why? Twenty years ago, when his mother went off and left me, when she wouldn't come back, when she wouldn't even answer my letters... That's when I killed the man his father had been. I didn't think I had anything to live for. I didn't think I'd ever see Billy. I didn't think I'd ever see him as long as I lived. That's when I turned out law and became Ben Reed. That's uh, when I killed Blake Riddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But as far as I'm concerned... 
There's a lot more of Blake Riddle here tonight than there is of Ben Reed. At least that's the way it appears to me. Well, it was a couple of days before that storm let up and Sheriff Billy could take him over to the marshal at Fort Lyon. And he got him there, too. No trouble at all. Of course, a lot of folks said that afterwards Ben Reed had just break out of jail again like he always had before, but, you know, so far he hasn't even tried to. He's, uh, people just don't understand it. He, he's, uh, now he, he's practically a mortal prisoner. <clears throat> years, millions of additional children will crowd the elementary schools. Unless we prepare for this increased enrollment, our children and our nation will suffer. If America is to provide enough teachers and enough classrooms so that our children can receive a decent education, we must take immediate steps to improve some of our local school systems. Join and work with local civic groups and school boards actively seeking to improve educational conditions, won't you? Because better schools make better communities. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burton, and the transcribed story is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International picture... The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were James McCallion, Ken Christie, Howard McNear, and Alan Reed. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam. And the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Faye next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for a guy by the name of Phil Harris, band leader and character actor, to join forces with his wife, Alice Faye, and deliver the story of investing in a new drug who sounds intoxicating. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall family drug. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Gail Gordon, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Today is an average day in the Harris household. Alice has finished the lunch dishes, the children are playing with a new toy, and Phil has just come down for breakfast. Good morning, everybody. 
Good morning, Phil. Hello, Daddy. Hey. What you kids got there? A chemistry set. It's a present from William. He bought it for them this morning. Willie bought something for somebody? <laughs> well, since I got him that job with Rexall last week, the boy's become a plunger. <laughs> How much did this set cost him? Ninety-eight cents. The plunger's got a short handle. <laughs> Ninety-eight cents, huh? That's a fine present for his rich sister's children. Now that he's working... <laughs> Now that he's working at the drugstore, Uncle William says he's going to give me and Phyllis a lot of presents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. For Christmas, I can see him putting two small tubes of dental floss under the tree. <laughs> Alice, look, a chemistry set is dangerous. They can hurt themselves messing around with that. Oh, it's just a toy, and it's perfectly harmless. They can't get into any trouble with it. No, Daddy. This morning, we made ink with it. You made ink, huh? How was it? It was delicious. You drank it? <laughs> Alice, do something. Call a doctor. Get a blotter. No, no, no. Don't... <laughs> don't get excited, Phil. They just tasted it, and I washed their mouths out. They know enough not to do it again. Believe me. Girls, you'd better go outside and play now. Okay, Mommy. Come on, Phyllis. Willie, Willie. When he's not doing something to me, he's doing something to my children. Getting him that job was the best thing I ever did. At least now he won't be bothering me during the day, and it'll certainly be a relief to hear him come in every morning with that... Good morning, Philip. <laughs> what did he do, have a record made? <laughs> what are you doing here during the day, Willie? I just came from a meeting with Mr. Scott. Scott? Hmm. Who's Mr. Scott? Well, he's a very important man with a Rexall company. He and the other executives were talking about you and your radio show, Philip. Ah. Hmm? Talked about me, huh? Kind of cut me up a little, huh? <laughs> what they had to say about me, Willie? Well... Come on, uh... tell me what they said. <laughs> Come on, what do they think of me? You needn't worry, Philip. You have a contract and there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> Knock off, will you, Levi? <laughs> Get lost. Go back to the drugstore and stuff cotton in their aspirin bottles. <laughs> Nothing they can do about it. What do you mean, nothing they can do about it? They'd have to be crazy to try to get rid of me. I'm the greatest thing since rubber gloves. <laughs> can't understand it. I can't even get to meet this Mr. Scott. How come you got so close to him in only one week? Oh, I don't know. I guess he was captivated by my sparkling personality. <laughs> Captivated? You got a personality that sparkles like a hangnail. <laughs> There's got to be another reason. Well, of course, he was very much impressed with the new bookkeeping system I installed. It's really quite a system. Oh, I'll bet it's just a gym dandy. <laughs> you must explain it to me sometime. Oh, I'll be glad to. It's a double entry system. See? Whereby... That's fine. Just close it up right there. <laughs> hey, look, let me ask you something. Don't you have to get back to the office? Oh, my goodness, it's almost one o'clock. I'd better hurry. Now, don't worry, Philip. Next time I see Mr. Scott, I'll put in a good word for you. If I can think of one. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, Willie. If I can think of one. Some sharp talk. Kid's really getting sharp. 
Ain't no stopping him since he won first prize for his tapioca pudding at the Pomona Fair. <laughs> you so annoyed with William? Because I hate apple polishers, that's why. Just trying to get on the good side of the boss. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't even trying to get me off of that show. Look, I'll get it. Must be Willie again. Probably forgot something. His beret. <laughs> I'm getting a little fed up with his coming around all the time, and I'm going to tell him so. Why don't you stop coming around here and bother me? So? <laughs> You don't love me anymore. Oh, Frankie, I did. I'm glad I found out in time before I made a fool of myself. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean before you made a fool of yourself? Before I gave you the ring. Oh. <laughs> Cut out the clowning, will well, you? That's a fine way to greet Remley, me. I'm sorry, and I want to apologize. I thought you were Willie. That's the most insulting apology I've ever. <laughs> What are you so sore willing about? Well, come on in and I'll tell you. All right. Let's go in the kitchen. You can have a bite to eat with me. Mm -hmm. Well, what's it all about, Curly? What's Willie done to you this time? Oh, I don't know. Ever since I got that job at Rexall for him last week, he's been doing everything in his power to impress them with his ability. Mm -hmm. Sit down. Yeah, thanks. Mmm, cold chicken. Frankie, look. I got a serious problem. Willie's trying to undermine me with the company. He wants to get me off the show. You're passing mustard. <laughs> Look, Remley, this is important. Do you realize that if that happens, I'll be out of a job? A potato salad, please. <laughs> Frankie, will you pay attention? Okay. Now, look, I got to think uh, of... Pass me some of that stuff first. <laughs> oh, here. Look, Frankie... I gotta think of some way to stop this guy. <laughs> hey, this is wonderful wine. Good vintage. Nice body. Very dry. What do you call this stuff? Ink. <laughs> yeah, ink? Yeah, ink. It's excellent vintage, though. Waterman's 1926. <laughs> Serves you right. The kids made that stuff with the chemistry set that Uncle Willie gave them. Uh -huh. Look, Frankie, I've been trying to tell you. Willie invented a new book system or keeping system for the company, mm -hmm. and now he's the fair-haired boy with a Mr. Scott, the big man there. I ain't even met the guy. Mm -hmm. Remley, I got to do something to uh, impress the executives. Yeah. Why don't you invent something? Like what? Well, what's the most important thing that Rexall makes and sells? What are they famous for? Drugs. That's it. All you got to do is invent a new drug. <laughs> That's all, huh? Yep, simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's only one trouble. I'm a little out of practice, you see. <laughs> I haven't invented a drug for a fortnight now. <laughs> About nine days. <laughs> What makes you think they need a new drug? Statistics. He ain't even with the company. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Look, how many independent druggists do they got? 10,000. How many drug products do they make? 2,000. All right, you see? That leaves 8,000 druggists without a drug. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you must admit that makes sense. That figures. <laughs> hey, Remley. What? Whatever gave you the idea of inventing a new drug? Oh, the kid's chemistry set and my knowledge of chemical formulae. <laughs> formulae? That's yeah, Latin. It's female for formula. <laughs> hey, hmm? you sound like you know what you're talking about. Of course I do. Come on, let's experiment. A lot of things are discovered by chemists, just accidentally mixing things together. With my knowledge, we're sure to hit something. Yeah. A lot of things are discovered accidentally. Sure. Anyway, it's worth a try. Hey, come on, Frankie. Now, look. Let's get the kids' chemistry set, mix a few things together, and we'll see what happens. Curly, Maybe we Curly, can... please. We chemists cannot work with a child's implement. <laughs> we'll need a professional set with test tubes and Bunsen burners. You'll have to buy an elaborate set. Okay, Frankie, but you better come with me so I don't get stuck. All right. Hey, I hope this thing works how I'd love to show that Willie up. Wouldn't that be something? Well, like the general said, let's get moving. The general? Yeah. Oh, the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. But his noble steed said, no indeed, go get yourself a jeep. Then the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. But his man of war just said, what for? And went right back to sleep. Then the general called the captain, told the captain to tell the sergeant, tell the privates that he personally would lead the charge. Now he made a loud and fervent speech, he made a strong appeal. And he said, good friends, just follow me, I'll lead you through the field. Then the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. Giddy up, but his noble horse said, man, get lost and walk right off the field. Then the general said, giddy up, giddy up, come on, giddy up. But his stallion booed him where he stood and called that Jenna heel. And that there horse come walking by, his noble head held high. And he walked up to the general, looked him smack dab in the eye. And he said, my friend, let's get it straight, let's get it straight right now. If you think I'm going to lead a charge, you crazy as a cow. The battle raged and raged. And raged, the shells fell all around. But the general stopped and did no bobbing, he just stood his ground. The soldiers fought and fought and fought, the battle was no sense. But the general and his faithful horse, they didn't move an inch. Then the bugler blew his bugle, his comrades left the fray. The mighty war was over, so they proudly marched away. But the general on his noble nag, his face was streaming tears. Said, I'll make that old hay burner move if it takes a million years. Oh, the general said, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. They left him, so I'll never know if he ever made that darn nag go with his giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. Oh, come on, horse. At least take me back to the officers' club. The general and his horse. Hey, Ramley. What? How much further is this chemist supply store? Oh, it's in this block, a couple of doors down. See, now, I want to make sure we get everything. We'll need a couple of dozen test tubes, some mixing pans, Bunsen burners. Uh, hmm? 
What are them burners for? Oh, they're necessary to every chemist. Yeah? Can't burn a Bunsen without them. <laughs> Besides, if we want to discover a new drug, we'll need them to heat up the ingredients. What are we after, a hot headache pill? <laughs> How stupid can a man be? Curly, <laughs> when we get in the store, you better let me do the talking. If we don't sound like professionals, they won't sell us anything. All right, all right, pro, you can do the talking. You better start it, too. Here comes the clerk. How do you do, sir? What can I do for you? Oh, uh, nothing for me, but my colleague, Madame Curie, wants to buy you. <laughs> Madam Curie? <laughs> uh, pay no attention to Professor Harris. He's been working on the atom bomb and he's a little radioactive. <laughs> uh, we'd like to buy the best chemistry set you have. Oh, certainly. Mm -hmm. uh, your professional chemists, of course. Please. <laughs> H2OCO2 and carbon 4 dioxide 5. <laughs> And if that ain't enough, granite 3883. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, will you please show us your most expensive set? Well, uh, very well, if you insist. I have one on the shelf right here. Mm. This is the best chemistry set that money can buy. Yeah, this looks adequate. We'll take it. Wait, pro, wait. <laughs> uh, how much is it, mister? Oh, not very much. The cabinet is $20. Ain't bad. Plus the chemicals, which are $165. Huh? Plus the smear slides, plus the culture discs. That'll be a total of $210. $210? Plus 3% sales tax. <laughs> hey, bud. Um, do you have a brother working in a packing house who cut up a steer for me three weeks ago? That was me, Professor Harris. I change jobs. I do that quite often. Well, don't ever take a job in a penny arcade. You won't be happy with their prices. <laughs> hey, Curly, stop quibbling about price. This is important all to you. All right, all right. All right, wrap it up, mister. We won't take it home. Get started. Very well. Oh, a word of warning. If you don't know what you're doing, these sets can be dangerous. No, please. Don't worry about us, bub. By the way, we'll also need some test tubes and mixing pans. Oh, look, and another thing. Throw in a couple of them bunion burners. <laughs> hey, Curly, look at all these chemicals and acids we have. Oh, with what we have here, we shouldn't have any trouble inventing something great. Let's get started. Yeah, but... Hey, Remley. Hmm? You think we should be doing this here on the dining room table? This is an expensive piece of furniture. We might damage it. No, not with me handling the stuff. However, if it'll make you feel better, we'll cover it up. Put that tablecloth on. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I'll just throw it on here, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. Ain't no sense taking no chances. Mm -hmm. All right, now then, let's get started. Uh, first, I'll pour a little of this into a test tube. Uh, what is it? Uh, hydrochloric acid. <laughs> Harmless stuff. 
I'll just pour a little in this test tube. Frankie, be careful. Look, you're splashing it all over the tablecloth. Well, that's all right. We got a lot of it. <laughs> Stop worrying. It won't hurt the cloth. Okay, as long as it... <laughs> Remley, are you losing compression? <laughs> It's burning holes in the tablecloth. That's very weak material. Oh. I'm surprised that Alice buying sheep. Hello, You're boys. Get... Hello. What are you doing in here? What's that stuff on the table? Oh, no. Look at my pure Irish linen tablecloth. Beautiful, intricate lace work, hasn't it? <laughs> Phil Harris, what have you done? What are all these bottles on the table? Honey, it's just a little chemistry set. Well, take it out to the garage and play with it. And if you play real nice, I'll get you boys tinker toys for Christmas. Now, go on. Run along. All Please. right. All right. Let's go out in the garage, Pro. Come okay. on. <laughs> A new drug. I wonder when he'll get the mud pies. I never know what he's going to do. There's only one thing I'm sure of. A little bird told me that you love me. That you love me. And I believe that you do. That you do. This little bird told me I was falling. Really falling. Falling for no one but you. None but you. There's no use tonight. I might as well confess. Of all the boys I know, dear, I'm sure I love you best. A little bird told me that you love me. That you love me. And I believe that it's true. A little bird told me we'd be married. And I believe that it's true. This little bird also told me when we marry. We'll have a pretty cottage not too far. All fenced in like a movie star. Great Dane Pop will call him Ace. Lying there by the fireplace. A goldfish pond and a wishing well. Everything is gonna turn out swell. A little bird told her she'd be married. Dear, 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 dear. And we This little bird also told her when she married. We'll be the proudest couple in the land. Go for life hand in hand. Have a rancho way out west. Pick a spot that we love the best. A peachy keen and all is well. That's true, we know. A little birdie told us so. Love that little boy. Hey, Frankie, how are we doing? You think we got something here? Shh, shh, don't disturb me. I gotta concentrate. It's coming to a boil. <laughs> hey, look, it's changing color. It was pink and purple, and now it's changing to orange and blue. Well, then we got it, Frankie. 
Can't you see? It's the perfect drug for Rexall, a pill that's that's half orange and half blue. <laughs> I still like pink and purple. <laughs> Curly, I think we got something here, though. As soon as it cools off, I'm going to pour it and let you have the honor and privilege of being the first one to taste our new drug. <laughs> Let's reverse that. I'll pour you taste. No, but Curly, I'm a scientist. The world needs men like me, but you're expendable. <laughs> Are you going to be selfish? You're going to think of the world or yourself? Yes. Yes, what? I think the world or myself. <laughs> Gremley, let's face it, we're both afraid to taste this stuff. Yeah. Well, what we need is a human guinea pig to try it out on. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need, a guinea pig. Somebody Hi, who... What are you two guys doing in the garage? Well, if it ain't Julius, oink, oink, a bruzio. <laughs> hey, come on in here, kid. Come on in. Yeah, come on. Pull up the sky and sit down. Hey, you guys, let go. Get your clammy meat hooks off of me. <laughs> Julius, my boy, I'm going to give you a chance to become famous. I'm going to let you do something that'll make this world a better place to live in. You and you alone, Julius, can make your fellow man very happy. Sorry, I ain't interested. <laughs> Why not? I ain't going to knock Mr. Harris off. <laughs> Nobody's asking you to knock me off. All we want you to do is to help us with a little experiment. Experiment? Now, look, kid, Mr. Remley... <clears throat> My colleague yes. and myself <laughs> have just discovered a new drug that will be a boon to mankind. You discovered a new drug? Yes, sir, and we want you to be the first to try it. Just think, Julius. If it's successful, your name will go down as one of the bravest men in medical history. You'll be a martyr, a man of destiny. Yeah, I'll be a world-famous martyr. People will talk about me and I'll be a household word. Gentlemen, I've reached a decision. Then you'll do it? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Julius, I made this stuff. What are you afraid of? What could happen to you? I could drop dead. <laughs> Besides that, I guarantee nothing will happen. To you. But if it does, we'll give you our antidote. Did you discover an antidote too? No, but we'll face that crisis when it arrives. Look, Julius, I'm trying to discover a new drug for my sponsor. If I can show a big shot like Mr. Scott that I have his interests at heart, he'll accept me. We'll travel around together socially. Shut your breath. <laughs> I should give my life just so you can go steady with Mr. Scott? <laughs> Julius, look, I poured a little in this test tube. Here, just taste it. Stop shoving it into my head. Ouch, it's hot! Julius, you're dropping it. <laughs> I don't think this stuff's going to be any good for headaches. <laughs> boom, it works. Huh? Well, boom. Oh, yeah. Curly, you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. How about you? Yeah, I'm only one piece. But... <laughs> Curly? Yeah. <laughs> Curly? 
Wasn't Julia standing here a minute ago? I could have sworn he was. Hey, Frankie. You think that maybe could be. Oh, well, here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. But he didn't even wait till tomorrow. <laughs> Poor little Julius. Too bad it had to happen. What are you, a couple of wise guys or something? <laughs> hey, Julius, you all right? Where were you? I ducked down here under the cot. So that's the drug you discovered for Rexall, huh? What are they going to do, open a bomb department? All right, we're sorry, kid. It was an accident. I guess I put too much uranium in. I'm getting out of here. The thing you guys wanted me to drink that but stuff. But, Julius, we... Why did I tell my old man you tried to make an active volcano out of me? <laughs> There goes the guinea pig, Mr. Remley. This is a nice medical discovery you made. What's it supposed to do? Blow up the germs? Oh, Philip! Oh, no. Look, there comes Willie. There he comes. He's got some guy with him. If he sees what we did, I'll be a laughing stock. He'll tell everybody. I've got to keep him out of the garage. Frank... Hey, Frankie. What? I think I found a use for our drug. <laughs> You mean... Yeah, now start pouring, keep pouring, just enough to scare him off. Are you ready? Yeah. Drop it as soon as they get near the garage door. Oh, Philip, Alice told me you were... <laughs> I wonder what Alice told him you were. <laughs> hey, Frankie, look at Willie. Look at Willie and his friend, Ron. Yeah, we scared the bailiffs out of what happened? What was that explosion? It was nothing, honey. We just played a little gag to scare Willie and his friend away. Just a harmless prank. Phil, Phil, you shouldn't have done that. Especially to Willie's friend. <laughs> oh, who's worried about Willie's friend? When will I ever see that guy again? Around auction time. That was Mr. Scott. What? <laughs> was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis and Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Alice Bay appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. Sunday is fun day on NBC. Stay tuned to this station for the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy Show, which follows immediately. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by My Favorite Husband. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.